and your name is greatly to be praised. I don't know about you, I have been bouncing, crying, laughing in the presence of Jesus today. There is nothing like the presence of our God. There is nothing like worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is nothing. We were created to worship God. We were created to declare his goodness, to declare his wonders. We were created to lift his name on high. And you know, the Bible says where we lift his name on high, he is there in our midst. And he surely has been in our midst in our worship day today. Thank you so much, Wayne and the team, for leading us so beautifully in worship this morning. I don't know about you, but my relationship with God, I just kept, I keep being left just like overwhelmed all the time, overwhelmed, like, you know, jaw dropping because like God is just so amazing. He's so amazing and not just Sunday amazing, but every day amazing. And every day as I spend time thinking about him, contemplating, reading his word, I just get overwhelmed because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the creator of the universe that I have a relationship with, who knows everything about me, and like not only knows everything about me, but wants to be with me. And it blows my mind. And you know, last week we began looking at following God's blueprint for our lives, didn't we? And for me, that blows my mind, that he set out a blueprint for our lives. That is the level of care and attention and detail and love that he has for me and you, that he actually doesn't say, oh, let's see how they get on trying it on their own steam, with their own ideas, with their own thoughts. He doesn't say, go on, you have a go. But he says, no, I love them so much that I'm going to actually spend time helping them and creating patterns and blueprints for them so that my creation can actually lead a life that is going to see them strengthened, see their lives flourish, and also bring glory to him. And it blows my mind. Last week we began looking at that and we began looking specifically at priorities. And I shared with you about having come across an article by um, Nicky Gumbel where he was just talking about how God had to do a bit of rearranging in his priorities early on in his marriage with his wife as he was once asked to kind of order five different things and put them into categories. And he kind of was like, yeah, God goes first, ministry second, then it's my wife, then it's my work, and then children come at the bottom. And um, through listening Listening to God's word being taught, he realized he really had a completely wrong way of looking and prioritizing his life. And after coming away from a conference, he really felt that the way, based on what the word of God showed and was demonstrated in the word of God, he really felt actually priorities for our lives would look far more like this. God first, then our husband and wife, then our um, the children then our work, and finally our ministry. And 
when I read that article, that article really resonated with me in terms of the way that we structure our priorities. Because priorities are important, hey? Because our priorities actually help us allocate our time and our resources wisely and enable us to kind of have focus so that we're not kind of drawn away by everything. Because let's be honest, there's lots of things that are flashing and shouting for our attention. And it's really easy to move, to gravitate to the loudest voice. But the loudest voice isn't always the right voice to be gravitating to. So last week, we began looking at following God's blueprint for our lives. And first of all, we looked at following the blueprint for our relationship with God. And then we went on to look at following the blueprint in our marriages. I'm not going to recap over those as I spent a considerable amount of time looking at that. So or if you haven't managed to um, listen to that or you weren't in the service, I would encourage you to catch up via podcast or YouTube so that you're just on the page with what we've discussed so far. And thirdly today, I want us to begin to finalize those final three um, priority lists. And we're going to look at specifically right now about following the blueprint for our children. You know, children are a blessing from God and they are a fruit that comes from our marriage unions. Um, Psalm 127 verse 3 says this, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And when we have children, they become part of our new family unit. Mum, dad, husband, wife, and child. And we become parents, and we are entrusted with their lives. So if we're entrusted with somebody's life, whether it may be our own birth children, or maybe you've adopted children, or you fostered children, what does God's blueprint look like for bringing up our children? Because there's lots of trains of thoughts and schools of thought around children and how you do it. But we're not really interested in what secular society says in the way that we to bring up our children. As believers in God, we have a blueprint that we can go to. So what does God's blueprint for bringing up our children look like? Well, first of all, as parents... We are to love, care, and nurture our children. And that involves physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that requires time, commitment, and attention, doesn't it? We are put in there, um, we are put as guardians of their lives to help them grow. And you know what's quite amazing? Because if you look at humans, we are created so different to any other of God's creation from the animal kingdom. If you were to look at fish or animals, typically when they give birth to their offspring, within a number of months, those offsprings swim away or are able to stand up and walk away or they fly away. And by and large, after maybe a few weeks or a few months, they're able to go about their lives and do their thing. But when God created humans, he didn't create us in that same way. And he didn't create when we have children. It's not the case of we give birth to our children and a year down the road, they're able to sort it out for themselves. 
They're really not. We're not. God's created humans differently to the way he's created the animal kingdom. And when we have children, our offspring, we've got a long-term investment into their lives. He, don't, he hasn't created us so that after year one or three months, we go and do our own thing. No, he's created us so that there is constant investment and teaching and training that goes in and nurture and care that goes into bringing up this child for probably up to a third of their lives until that child reaches a stage where they're able to go off, you know, in their late teens and build a life for themselves. And even then, sometimes there's a little bit of extra support. So the way that God has created us is so unique to any other of God's creation. And as parents, that means there's a long-term commitment to making sure that we care for our children physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And also, God's blueprint for our lives shows us as parents that it's our responsibility to train and instruct our children according to his blueprint. Listen to what the scriptures say. In Proverbs 22.6, it says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Ephesians 6 verse 4 says this, Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the word of God. So what does this instruction and this training look like? Well, can I say first and foremost, for us as believers, that instruction looks like training and teaching our children how to love Jesus and how to place him first in their lives, how they can live for him with all of their heart, with all of their soul and all of their being. And then as parents, it means teaching them right from wrong. It's showing them how to treat and act towards other people. It's showing them how to obey and how to honor. It's showing them how they should be responsible and diligent in the things that they've been entrusted in within life. It's helping them and showing them how to make good decisions. And also, it's especially very relevant in the society that we live today is helping them view both moral and ethical decisions from God's perspective. There are a lot of people that would want to educate our children as to their perspective. And in all reality, they are ed being educated, possibly with a different perspective, especially within the schools that they go to. There's great education that takes place, but sometimes that education doesn't always line up with what we believe is followers of Jesus. And so it's really important for us that we take time to talk to our children about why we view the things the way we do and help them understand God's best for them and what God's blueprint looks like for their lives. Because the society in which we live, yes, it was founded on Christian principles. So there are a lot of principles that, that are being taught that have their foundations in um, the word of God. But sadly, we've digressed and moved away from this. And because of that, there are different influences 
influences being taught and spoken to our children. So for us as parents, it's so important that we take the time to tell our children, to instruct them, because somebody else will do instructing if we don't. And do you know what? We've got to understand that this is our primary responsibility. Even when you bring your kids to church, it's not the church's responsibility to teach your children right from wrong. We will build upon the foundations of what you have taught them, but don't think, oh, I won't deal with that. The church can deal with that. Oh, I won't talk to my children about not having sex before marriage. Hopefully, if they go to youth, that'll get covered then. No, don't abdicate responsibility and hope somebody else will talk about the big issues for you. You're the parent. You talk to them about it, and then we can come along, and we can support and let and strengthen, and that's the beautiful thing about being in the body of Christ is you are the parent. But what I love is being in the family of God is that there are also other voices of fellow believers that come along to echo and to say an amen to what you said. You know, there's so many people in the lives of our children that we have been so grateful for that have continued to build upon the foundation that we've given our children. But as parents, we must never think, oh, they'll look after it. No, you look after it and we'll also support and strengthen those morals and those things that you're teaching your children at home. So our training in instruction, it's interesting. The Bible talks about instruction and training. And I googled, I googled what's the difference between teaching and training? And this is what I found out from going onto some educational websites. Teaching is all about the impartation of knowledge. Okay, so often for us in the society we live, it's very classroom-based, hey? It's the impartation of knowledge, and we learn through the impartation, somebody teaching us and telling us something. But training is different. Training is hands-on, and it means developing and growing abilities. I so wish that I could have a fit body by reading about it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be brilliant? A reading about how to get a fit body and then da da, there I have. But it isn't. I can read about it and give myself an underpinning understanding. But actually, in order to be fit, you've got to train your body. You've got to put the things that you've noted, have found out, and you've got to put them into practice, and you've got to work them out. And the Bible talks about these two things in tandem. We are to instruct our children, which is teach them, but we are also to train them. Just, it's not enough for us to sit down and say, right, Wednesday evening, six o'clock, I'm going to tell you all about it, kids. This is what you need to know. And then just expect further. That's it. Well, I've done it. No, we teach and we train. And that means it's not just about what we say, but it's also about what we do that is being modeled to our children. And I think this is really important and a bit scary, if I'm honest, as a parent, because it is about knowing stuff 
and we need to know stuff by taking time to find out about what the Word of God says. So there's us being a student of the Word so that we can then go and let our children know what the Bible says about things. But then there's us putting feet on that Word and role modeling to our children what the Word of God looks like in our lives. Which is why it's really important that we have our priorities in the right place and in the right order. Because think about it, if we are training our children and we are role models to our children and they are observing us all the time, they will observe and put into practice our priority list. So if we have our priorities a bit back to front, well guess what? They're going to follow our order because they, they love us. We've been entrusted as their parents. They look up to us as parents. They model us. And if we don't get it in the right order, they're going to probably end up doing things in exactly the same order as we have. So as parents, it means that we need to really think about what am I role model and, and, and demonstrating to my children. What does my walk with Jesus look like? And how does that, what does it look like for my children looking in? How do I show them daily that I put God first? How do I show them to do that? How am I role modeling how I value and honor my marriage? How am I demonstrating how to work diligently? How am I showing my kids how I am to love and to serve others? We're role models. I was speaking to a prison officer at lunch last Sunday and she was just talking about she recently went into the role during lockdown and she has just really been um, she's really enjoying having a positive impact in the lives of prisoners and we were talking and she said last week she said you know what a lot of the people that are in prison the reality is they're only modeling what they've seen throughout their lives They've been brought up maybe in dysfunctional families. They've been victims of abuse. They've been victims of all sorts of things. And really, the reason why they're in prison, by and large, most times, is because they're just acting out what was role modeled to them. Our lives are role models for our children. And what a great responsibility and what a great, almost, um, it's not this, but kick up the bum it is for us as parents to realize we're not just living our lives and it's affecting us, it's affecting our children. And, you know, you know, it's generational. So our lives really do count in the way that we do things. So we've got this whole aspect of training and teaching. So where does this take place? Is it in a lecture theater, i.e. the living room or the kitchen? Is that where it takes place? Do you know what? I think, there's, I think within the family unit, God has given us a brilliant opportunity and training ground for our children. And we don't have to take them anywhere outside of our home for them to get this education. God gives us our family life to be a training ground for our children. The way that we, Dave and I have often described it with our kids is like kids, 
Home life is a bit like a dress rehearsal for real life. So if you're going to get things wrong, let's do it here because then we can talk about where things went wrong and we can look to do stuff. Dave and I are not perfect. Ta-da! Surprise, surprise! But we're not perfect. Dave and I make mistakes. And we make mistakes. And do you know what? When we make mistakes, we make sure to let our kids know, hey, we made a mistake here. And then if we need to go and apologize to them and say, do you know what? The way I spoke then to you or to Dave was not right. I shouldn't have done that. I lost my cool and I was wrong to do that. We have to role model to them what it looks like because let's be honest, all of us are going to make mistakes and way better for our kids to get the practice ground of making mistakes and rectifying it at home so that when we are empowering them for when they go outside of the home. So our homes become the training ground for their lives where we show them Firstly, how to love and serve others. They watch us, how we interact, how we speak to them, how Dave and I speak to our, each other, how, how we speak to guests when they come into our homes, how we speak to our neighbors, how we treat them. Our kids watch that, and then they get to model that out with the way that they treat one another. And sometimes it's like, hey, 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 hey. Hang on, don't, no, 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 that's not, that's not right. And we can say, do you know what, why would you do that? Oh, well, da, da, da. okay, well, the Bible, you know, we don't talk to each other like that. We don't use words like that. And like I said, Dave and I role model that ourselves. If we messed up, well, hey, we did this wrong. But our home lives become the training ground for which our children can grow. We sort out our problems. We rectify our problems. We show them how to apologize. We show them how to be humble. We show them how to love people the way that Jesus loves us. We show them the importance of responsibility. Family life is not about Dave and I running around like headless chickens trying to do everything. Yeah, when the kids are little, you know, we take on more responsibility. But as they grow up, it's important that as parents, we give our children responsibility so that they, when they go outside of the home, they understand that. I, um, I do giggle because Summer's been doing her washing since the age of seven. And um, she came to me, she came to me about a year ago, she's like, man, we were talking about chores in school, and she said, my teacher and the children just cannot believe that you make me do my washing. And I'm like, I am so sorry, Summer. Let's, let's think about how long it actually takes you to do your washing. So you have a basket in your room. You put your dirty clothes in it. You then walk to the washing machine and you open the door and you put the washing in with a tablet and you press start. You then go away and play. And then you come back an hour later and you put it in the tumble dryer and press start. And then when that goes beep, 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 you take it out and you put it back and put it in your room. I'm so sorry that that two minutes of investment feels so shocking for the world that they feel that I am a bad parent. 
I'm like really summer. This, and do you know why I started doing it? I started doing it because I was running around like an idiot like this. I'd do all the washing for everybody and then I'd be left with a pile of socks and I was like, I just don't know whose socks these are. So I'd say, hey kids, can you just come onto the bed and have a look at whose socks they are? They'd come up half an hour later. I'd still have half a basket full of socks. And I'd be like, right, okay. Somebody hasn't taken their socks. No, we've done it, ma'am. And I'm like, well, I still have half a basket of socks on the bed. Not ours. I was like, do you know what? We can rectify this really easy. If you now all do your own washing, it means anything that goes into the washing comes out of the washing, and that is yours. And you get to put it away. So I, I was happy to trod down to Wilkinson's and buy four baskets. And I was like, happy days. Do you know what? It has saved me so much time and energy. But do you know, beyond that, it's teaching them responsibility. After dinner, we all have tasks to do. I want to slink away after dinner and leave a mess. And sometimes I try to, and sometimes it's successful, sometimes not. But we're like, no, come on, we all do something. Somebody empty the dishwasher, somebody can clean the table, somebody get the hoover out. Let's show our kids what responsibility and being a contributor looks like. Because we, this is what we're called to be when we go out. It's not people running around after you. We are to be contributors to the society in which we live. And therefore, we need to teach them what it means to be a contributor and the best way to do it is in the family because then when they get asked to do something in school they don't go oh I can't do that or when they're asked to do something in college or work well no somebody else always does that for me no you're like yeah of course I'll help I'll do my bit I'll help so we get to teach our kids things like this we get to show them what it means to love Jesus on a daily basis, how his name is in our conversations, how, you know, like when I go, the kids know, when I go shopping, I'm always praying. I'm like, Jesus, thank you for today. And I just pray as I go shopping today that there'll be bargains that I can have. And I'm honestly, every day, like people may say, well, are you strapped for money? I'm like, no, but I just want to include Jesus in everything. And I'm like, Lord, help me with this. And I'm like, Lord, and help me now when I get to Tesco's and I see the things that are on club card offer, help me to quickly meal plan something in my head really quickly so I can take advantage of the offers rather than having to spend more money. But it's like, how does God look like in everyday life? Do, how do we show our children that God is first? How do we show him, you know, do they um, in the decisions that we make? How, and when we're at home, we get to teach our children and show them why we do the things that we do and how we use the Bible as our reference point. Early, early on, prior to having children, I overheard a conversation once with somebody actually in our congregation at the time. And I heard him say, and it really stuck with me, he said, do you know what, as a parent, I really want to use my time to try and help my children make good decisions. Because the reality is, if they're only ever used to me saying yes or no to them, or saying do this, do that, then they're always going to be reliant on me in order to make a good decision. And I'm not always going to be there. I'm not going to be there when I'm in school, when they're in school. I'm not going to be there, you know, all the time. So I need to train my children so that when they experience something, they come up against a situation that they're not going, oh, I don't know what to do. I need to call my mom. I need to call my dad. But they can say, okay, 
What, what do I know about things? And I listened to that prior to having kids, and I thought, do you know what? I want to take that on board for me. I want to help my children understand what it means to make a right decision and the process of making a right decision. And, and it's brilliant about telling the kids... Um, you know, about look, knowing what the Word of God says, understanding that the Word of God becomes the foundation. So when somebody is being nasty to you on the playground, actually, whilst inside you may think, I'm going to slap them, or I'm going to, you know, I, I don't like them. But actually, the Bible doesn't say for us to do that to one another. The Bible says that we're to show kindness and forgiveness. And we talk our kids around those kind of things. And teach our children as well to pray about situations. To involve God in things. And also to allow the peace of God, for that peace to guide them. I know Daniel recently, he had... Um, he had, um, you know, he's looking at applying for universities and there was one university that he was kind of like encouraged to go for. And he's like, mom, I just don't know. I just don't know. And I said, so I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, Daniel, why don't you, um, you know, why don't you pray about it? And I said, when you're making a decision, pray about it and allow the peace of God to guide your decision because God will guide you and he will lead you. And we talked a few days later and he's like, Mom, I made the decision. I know it's probably maybe different to what other people were doing. He said, but I've made the decision now. I've prayed. And he said, Mom, I really have peace. And I'm like, for me as a parent, to know that my child is beginning to make decisions and looking at what the Word of God said and following the peace of God, there's nothing like that. And, and for our lives, for any of our kids' lives, so let's teach our children about how they can make good decisions. And I don't know about you, but as a parent, oh my gosh, I would really struggle to do this without the help of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it is a beautiful, beautiful responsibility that God has given us. But this, um, I'm mindful that I've got so many shortcomings. And you know what, each day, I pray, I'm like, Lord, help me to be the parent that my children need me to be. And our children are all different as well. So sometimes you can't do the same thing for one as you do for another because they're all different. And um, I came to, Dave and I came to that realization actually a while ago. We were like, do you know what? We may have a 20-year head start on our kids and we're 20 years or 30 years older than them. But actually in terms of parenting, most situations that we come across, it's the first time we're facing it. We've never come across this situation before, and with a particular child, it can look different. So leaning on the Holy Spirit to help us is so, so vital. You know, I'm always saying, Lord, help me treat my children the way that you treat them, because God loves our kids so much. We love our kids so much, but God loves them even more. And that blows my mind to think, God, you love my child even more than I do. But each day, it's about saying, Holy Spirit, help me to love my child or my children the way that I need to love them. Give me patience and wisdom and understanding. Lord, help me. Um, as I instruct and provide correction. And Lord, help me to have a forgiving heart and a heart that doesn't keep records of wrongs. <laughs> 
because, let's face it, when we do things wrong, we want God to forget all of our things, don't we? And as parents, you know, we make mistakes and our kids will make mistakes as well. They're not perfect. So when they make mistakes, we extend grace to them and extend forgiveness and say, do you know what? I, I forgive you. Now, come on, let's move on. We, you can do this. Everyone makes mistakes. But it's about throwing them like the lifeline because we all were, all of us receive those lifelines from God and we get to role model that when we're bringing up our children. And I think one of the, a really significant thing that we can do um, as parents is to pray for our children. Pray for our children daily. Pray that they would have an experience and an encounter with God for themselves. Pray that they would follow the ways of their Lord for their lives. Pray that their lives would flourish. And sometimes as parents... You know, things don't always look like that. You know, that's how we want it to go. But sometimes our kids have to make their own decisions and we respect that. Um, but all I would say is if maybe sometimes there's blips on the road or your kids are not following the path that you've, you know, shown them, don't lose hope, okay? Because our weapon in our arsenal as parents is prayer. And prayer changes things. And I know if we were to look across this room today, the people that are sat in this room, I'm sure you'd be astounded by how many people would say, do you know what, I'm here today because my mum or my dad prayed for me or my grandparents prayed for me or somebody prayed for me. So don't lose hope if you, if you feel, ah, oh, Lord, everything I've shown off my kids, they're doing the opposite. No, just keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. Because prayer does change things. So God wants us to prioritize our children and he wants them placed in that correct order of priority that we looked at earlier. I want us to now look at God's blueprint and following the blueprint for our work. Because whether we like it or not, since creation, God has given people work to do. Genesis 2 verse 4 says this, When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. And then verse 15 says, Then the Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Notice these scriptures. This is all about God creating Adam with a purpose and to have a function in mind. It does not say Adam spent his time gazing at the beauty of the garden. Nor does it say, and Adam sat sunbathing in the garden that God created. In verse 4, we see that there were no plants growing, A, because God hadn't given water, but secondly, it says that there were no people to cultivate the soil. So we can see that God's order was to be that when he created, that the human was going to have a purpose in cultivating that soil. And we see that then in verse 15, when it says that the Lord placed Adam in the garden to tend to it and to watch over it. So God has created us with a purpose and with work in mind. It's not just about being on this earth to just relax our days away. 
Work is to be involved. Work is to be part of our lives. Ephesians 4 verse 28 says this. If you are a thief, quit stealing. But I'm not really focusing on that bit, but I wanted to get to the next bit of the scripture. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. You can see all throughout the Bible, the Bible talks about us working hard, using our hands to work. So work is to be a part of our everyday lives. If we are able-bodied, we should be working because, again, that is us contributing to what God and his order for our lives. So God is actually then, because he's created us with a purpose in mind, with work being one of those purposes, he actually is really um, wanting to make sure that our work ethic is correct. Now, let's be honest, sometimes that can be like, hmm, debatable, but God is interested in everything, and he's interested in the way that we work, because every aspect of our lives is to bring him glory. This is what it says in Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That means whatever we say and whatever we do is actually representing God to the world in which we live. We are representatives of God. And that's why in Ephesians we looked at last week, he says that we are to imitate God. And we are to shine like light in a dark generation. We are to shine like light in the midst of the darkness. So we need to understand what God's work ethic is for us as we work. Because when we work, we are representing him. And I don't know about you, but I want to represent him well. I want to represent him well. So listen to God's blueprint for our lives. Both of these scriptures I'm going to read now were written and penned by the Apostle Paul. I say similar things, but I just love reading them, so I'm going to read them both to you. Ephesians 6 verse 5 says this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Colossians 3.22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. God is interested in our work ethic. And reading these scriptures, these are the things that I picked up on. Notice the word obey. 
Okay, it's mentioned both those scriptures. God wants us to obey our employers. And I think that's a really important thing. And I think especially in the generation in which we live, sadly, authority is undermined. People in authority are undermined. But do you know what? When it comes to us um, as workers... We need to obey and respect authority. If our employers are asking us to do something that we know is wrong, it's illegal, hey, that's fine. But just on the day-to-day things, when they ask us to do something, don't, don't want to do it, I'm not doing it. Don't want to do it. Because that is the spirit of the world in which we live. Sadly, people are not doing it. Um, at the moment, in particular, people have no problem looking at the face of their employer and saying, no, not doing it. The challenging authority. But God does not ask us to challenge authority. As believers of God, we obey. We've been placed in our jobs. If we're not the employer, we are the employee. Therefore, we subject ourselves to our employer and we obey and we follow follow through what they ask us to do. And not only that, Paul actually says, we're going to obey them, but we're going to work with sincerity towards them. Okay, that means that we work with integrity and genuineness. We haven't got any pretense or deceit into what we are, in what we're doing or any ulterior motives. So we need to understand that we've been given jobs and we've got our employers that are overseeing our lives. So when we work, work with them from a genuine heart. Don't be trying to plot their downfall in your minds. But no, we've got, we've got nothing in our hearts, but we are sincere and genuine and integrous in the way that we work. And Paul even says, try to please your boss. I like the way that he put try to, because he probably understands sometimes with all the best will in the world, all of our hard efforts may not always be appreciated. But Paul says, you try to please your boss. And he doesn't just say, try to please your boss some of the times. He says, no, please your boss all of the time. Try to please them all of the time, not just when they are watching you. Oh, how he's got assessed. Paul understands human nature, hey? Quick, quick, they're coming. Work, work, work. No, we work and we try, we work all the time to please our boss. Secondly, or fourthly, we work with enthusiasm. Okay, we shouldn't be the grumpy one in the office or in the school. We should be the one that's enthusiastic. And that has nothing to do with how much we like our job. It's just because actually the reason we work with enthusiasm is because we view things differently than what the world does. The Bible says, Paul says, work with enthusiasm because you are working as though you are working for the Lord and not for people. So when we work, don't think, oh, I'm just serving this person and they haven't got a clue. No, you're working as unto the Lord. You are working as unto the Lord and that is why we work work with enthusiasm because we are working as under to the Lord and it makes all the difference. When I left college, um, I worked in Next for the Christmas season and then I ended up working in an agency and they popped me into Lloyd's TSB. And um, I was working with this agency for about a month and then I had the senior managers for Lloyd's TSB ask for a meeting with me and I was just turned 19. Yeah, so I was just turned 19, so they asked for a meeting with me. 
and they and called me into this office completely freaked out. And they said, oh, Faye, we just were wondering. We just want to understand how you think. It's like, right. It's just, and they said, it's just that we've never employed anybody like you in the past. And we want to recruit more people like you. So we thought if we asked how you think, it's going to help us to tell the agency what we are looking for when they are placing people with us in the future. So I said, oh, right, okay. So I said, I said well, it's kind of like this. Thank you for having me. I said, but actually, when I'm working, I'm not thinking about pleasing you. I said, I am a Christian. And I said, the Bible says that whatever I do in word or deed, I'm to do it all to God and to God. So I said, when I come to work, for me, I work as diligently as I can because I am working unto God. And I am doing this to please God. So I'm really pleased that you're pleased with me. And that's great to hear. But that's kind of my viewpoint on things things is that if I slack, it's showing my love for Jesus. And I said, I, I love Jesus that much that I want to do really well. And I want to serve him with all of my heart. So they went, oh, okay. <laughs> so I said, that's maybe how you can recruit some more people like me. Um, but yeah, we are in our workplaces called to be God's ambassadors. We so we need to represent him well. We shouldn't be the ones that keep getting called into the office for bad conduct or for slacking or for not doing our job well. No, we should be shining. We should be the eager beaver, the one coming, how can I help you? Is there anything I can do for you? That should be us. We should be the one that boy makes the atmosphere and the temperature in the room go up because we're positive. We're encouraging. We're not backbiting our bosses. We're not gossiping about other people in the office. This. No, we're there, the ambassadors. We affect change by just being there and being God's representative. And in this culture, at this time, even more than ever, with our opportunity to shine well. I'm not sure if you've read and listened to the news, but we've been through a tough time and are navigating a tough time in the world right now, especially as a result of COVID. And as a result, people's foundations for their lives that haven't been built on God have begun to do this. And people have been knocked off course. And let's face it, if I didn't have hope in God today, I'd be going, oh my gosh, what is this world coming to? What is happening? People are losing hope and that hopelessness is actually translating into the way they are approaching their work. People don't want to work now. Have you noticed if you read in the papers that there is more jobs out there but people are saying, no, I don't want to do it. They don't want to do it because they've lost their hope. And do you know what? The situation we find ourselves in now is very similar to what Britain found themselves in after World War II, where people were exhausted by what they'd gone through and they didn't want to work. Their motivation was so low. And so the governments had to come in and try and get their things kick-started again. But for us, as believers, our hope system is not on what happens in this earth. Our 
our hope system is planted and put firmly on the foundation of God. So therefore, we should be shining brighter than anyone at the moment because actually we're not rocked. We've sang it today. Christ is my firm foundation, the hope on which I stand. And that hope will translate into every area of our lives, including our work. So we can work diligently. We can step up and say to our boss, what do you need help with? We're the one that can help carry responsibility. We can be the trusted one. And that will be a bigger example to our bosses than sometimes the words in which we speak. And when they say, why are you doing this? Say, do you know why I'm doing this? Because I love Jesus. And he's the point. And you can explain. You can explain that the way that you work has got nothing to do with your work. But it has everything to do with your relationship with God. So we've got an opportunity more than ever to shine in our workplace. Think of it like this. You could be the only person that ever goes into that workplace. So what are you going to leave there? How are you going to represent people? How are you going to represent God there? What are people going to take away from your experience in that workplace? And we're also, not only are we placed in our workplaces first and foremost to work, but also, do you know what? We're placed in our workplaces to be a witness as well. To shine a light. God's placed us in all different realms of society, in all different locations, whether we're in school, college, university, or work. God has placed you there to be a light. If you weren't there... Would anyone else that's a Christian be there? I don't know. God may have placed a number of Christians in your workplace. But what I know is that we need to understand that God orders and directs our steps. And that when he places us places, we need to understand that our work, which typically will take up a good majority of our time, this becomes our primary ministry place. This becomes the place where we can show and witness Jesus. Now, the way we can do that is, um, you know, when we're with our friends on our lunch breaks, when are this, we can show them our lives and role model. They'll see it as well in the way that we approach our work, by the way. They'll see that. They'll notice there's a difference and we can talk. But I can remember when I was in the bank one day, my friend and I, Lisa, she said, come on, come over to my house um, for lunch. We're like, okay. So we were driving. She lived in Risca. And as we were driving, her car broke down. So, and like, like 19, I think maybe she was 20, and the first thing we do is giggle, and like, oh gosh, and then pull to the side, and like, right, so we're sat there, so she tries to turn the thing on, she's like, not working, I said, right, I'm sure I've seen people open the bonnet before, and things like this, I said, open the bonnet, so we open the bonnet, we're touching things, not knowing what we're doing, we're just touching things, and she, I right, right, turn it on now, not working, I said, right then, Lisa, I'm going to pray for the car. She said, what? I said, I'm going to pray for the car. I said, I haven't got a clue what to do with cars, but God does. So let's just pray that we can get this car going. So literally, we were in the side in Risca, pulled over. So I was like, right, I said, put the bonnet down. In Jesus' name, I pray right now this car will work. Turn it on, Lisa, I said. Vroom! Car started. She's like this. I, I'm a bit like... 
as well. I was like, yes, see, I'm like, yes. So, so we went and had lunch and she was so excited. Got into the office the next day. Everyone in the office knew about it. Faye prayed for the car and the car start work, started working. Everyone knew about it. By the afternoon, and just by the printers, one of my work colleagues that sits opposite me, Cindy, she says to me, Faye, can you pray for me? I said, yeah, of course I can pray for you, thinking I'll pray for you at home. And she said, um, I said, what's wrong, Cindy? And she said, oh, I've been married a number of years, and I'm really struggling to have a baby. And I would love if you could pray for me. I've been to the doctors a number of times, and they've just said, I can't have a baby. We've tried IVF, and it hasn't worked. So would you pray for me? I said, oh, of course, Cindy, I'll pray for you. And she just looked at me, and I was like... I'll pray for you at home. She said, no, I meant pray for me now. I said, oh, right. And then she took my hand and she laid it on her stomach, right, in the middle of the office. And I prayed for her. I then went home and I got a load of um, scriptures. I went and found all the scriptures about children being a blessing from God and stuff like that. And I printed them out. Um, no, I hand wrote them because I didn't have a computer at that time. I hand wrote them. I wrote them out. And I said, do you know what? I want to give you these scriptures, Cindy, because the Bible says that children are a heritage from God. And the Bible says about our words having power. And I said, so I just want you to read these scriptures in your private time if you want to, just so that you are talking about the blessing that children are and stuff like that. Anyway, I ended up working in another part of the business after a little while. Um, but you know, she came running up to my office a number of years later. Faye, Faye, Faye! I said, what? She said, Faye, she said, I can't believe it. She said, I have been praying those scriptures every day since you told me about it. And she said, at one point, I gave up and I thought, this is pointless. Why am I even doing this? She said, but she said, I, so I didn't do it for a few days. And then she said, I really missed it. So then and I started just praying these scriptures. And she said, I've just found out that I am pregnant. And I was like, Cindy, that is amazing. God is so good. And I say that to say God has placed us in our workplaces to be his representatives. However that looks, in whatever way. So really value the place that God has placed you. And think, God, even if I'm not really enjoying it at the moment, whose life can I impact? What encouraging word can I say to somebody? How can I be a light that shines to my employer? And finally, the fifth thing I want to talk about is priority in ministry. And that God's following God's blueprint for our ministry. Dave has talked about this beautifully over the last two months. So I'm not going to share a lot to add on to what Dave has already said. Because he has shown us through Romans so much about how Paul commended people like you and I. Who put their hand to the plow to say, do you know what, I'm going to build God's kingdom. But what I do want to just share is I just want to share some scriptures with you because we all know when we place our faith and trust in Jesus that we get adopted into his family and he says that we become his sons and daughters. And when he places us in a family, he gives us a purpose within that family as well. And this is what it says in Ephesians 2:20. It says God is building a home. 
He is using all of us irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. So God's plan for your life is for you to have expression because he wants to use you in building his church because that's how valuable you are and the contribution that you bring. And secondly, the second scripture, as I read this, the um, worship team can just come onto um, the stage. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God has gifted you and I, and our gifts are there to serve one another. And the expression that we find that in is in building his church amongst being able to use those gifts in our workplace and in the worlds and spheres in which God places us. He also wants those skills and abilities to translate to just to building his church as well. Okay, so I just want to encourage us as we prioritize our time and those priorities in that order, know that God's purpose for you in terms of ministry is that you do have one and that you do have an expression within the church, that you do have an expression in, in being able to build what he's doing, whether it's saying hi to somebody offering to make them a cup of tea, whether it's visiting our prisons, whether it's inspiring and sharing with our young people or encouraging and teaching our kids about Jesus, whether it's being a musician or whether it's being behind a camera so that people can watch our services going out. What you see in our church today, this church is not built up by one or two people, but it's collectively us all having a role to play and God wants our expression, your expression to be in the church as well. So that's what I wanted to share with you over um, the last few um, two weeks was talk about our priorities for our lives. And sometimes we may need to look and think, right, have I got these in the right place? But what I love is that God helps us to prioritize. And each step, he is the helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper and the guide. And we can ask the Lord to help us to live this out. Help us to prioritize our time wisely. Help us in being um, first and foremost the lovers of God that we are called to be. Secondly, for him to help us to be the husband or wife that we're called to be. Help us to be the parents we need to be. Helping us to be the employee or employer that we're meant to be and help us in um, helping and serving through ministry within our local church. And you know what? God does it. He helps us. He really does help us and gives us the ability to manage all of these things through his strength. Okay, so I'm just going to pray before um, I close. Lord, thank you for your words. Lord, thank you for your greatness in our lives. And Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you've taken the time to give us blueprints so that we can follow your way for our lives. Help us as we navigate each day. Help us and strengthen us and show us how we can live according to those beautiful patterns that are set out in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.